and let's pray. Father, open our minds and our hearts to what you have to say to us now through the teaching of your Son recorded for us in the Scriptures. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about anxiety, about worrying if you'll be okay. We live in an anxious time, an anxious age. Lots of people are affected by worry so severely that they kind of need medical or psychological help. Uh, You may know someone like that. You probably do. In fact, that may be you. There's no shame in being anxious. It's a constant part of human experience. Part which Jesus addressed 2,000 years ago. And his gentle, compassionate words have been treasured down the centuries. Because we are anxious people. We do worry. But these gentle, compassionate, treasured words of Jesus, how realistic are they? Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Yeah, right, you say. Just stop worrying about whether you'll be okay. Have you ever tried it? It's not that easy. Is Jesus realistic? Jesus was talking to people who had to work a lot harder for their food and their clothes than us. He was speaking to men who were farmers and whose daily tasks, morning till night, were ploughing and sowing and reaping and storing in barns. And that was all about having enough food. He was speaking to women who spun all the fibres to make thread and wove all the thread to make fabric and sewed all the fabric to make clothes. It was a lot of work just to be clothed. When we worry about whether we will be okay, we probably don't fret about famine on the one hand or nakedness on the other, but they may well have had these worries. When we worry about whether we'll be okay, we might worry about paying the bills, making the budget work, paying off the mortgage. We might worry about doing well at school and getting into the right course and having a good career. We might worry about having friends, keeping friends, finding love, a happy family. We might worry about a medical condition a society in decline, an environmental collapse. There's a lot to worry about. Perhaps we should be worried. To try to put Jesus' teaching in a nutshell, because the world is God's, anxiety, anxious fretting about being okay is unnecessary and it's actually a distraction from the main game. Because the world is God's, anxious fretting about being okay is unnecessary and a distraction. So let's work through those two two things. Anxious fretting is unnecessary. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, 
and the body more than clothes. What is this more? Well, Jesus illustrates, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. The more is the value that God places on our lives, that we matter to him. Ravens were scavengers, thought of as kind of bin chickens in the ancient world. They were not kind of loved, they were not admired, but God's world, in God's world, God provided even for the ravens. How much more then would God's world be basically hospitable to human beings, to us and to our lives? It is possible to understand the world as a kind of cold, random, pitiless place, a harsh and unyielding place, where no one is in charge, and we're on our own, and we're just evolutionary flukes living in a place where bad things can and do and probably will happen. And that kind of bleak, cold, random, pitiless, inhospitable view of life is out there. And you can read newspapers and watch TV shows and read books that will kind of reinforce that for you. Well, thinking like this might amplify all our anxieties because then... There are no guarantees. The whole world won't suffer some kind of environmental collapse or nuclear disaster any time now. There's no guarantee that despite my best efforts, I'll lose everything and be poor and alone. Jesus wants us to understand the world differently to that. He wants to understand the world to be a place where God feeds the animals. So Psalm 147, 8 and 9 may be something that Jesus has read and taken to heart and wants others to do so too. God covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes the grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. Or Psalm 104, 14 and 15. He, God, makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate bringing forth fruit from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. There's a different vision of the world. Our first floor apartment has a balcony open to, you know, pretty nice view of treetops and open sky, and lots of birds kind of swing past, swooping and calling and chattering, sitting in the trees and eating, Ragged mobs of noisy black cockatoos and galahs, lorikeets, honeyeaters, ravens as well. And they're out there living their lives. Looking splendid, really. Thrilling with their calls and wheeling flights. They're eating, they're growing, they're mating and carrying on. And seemingly with some kind of joy. Some kind of manic animal energy. They're a delight to behold. And to be sure, they also fight and they kill and they die. But to say that all nature is a dark and terrible struggle does not seem to match what I see when I consider the birds. There's a great poem by Jared Manley Hopkins called God's Grandeur. Here's the last few lines. 
nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things. And though the last lights off the black west went, O morning at the brown brink eastward springs, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with ah, bright wings. Jesus points not only to the world of birds, but the world of plants. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. God has given the gift of beauty to what? Even what springs up uncultivated and springs up just for a moment. God is profligate. He is prodigal. Beauty has been sprayed profusely over the world that he's made. Now these days doctors and psychologists prescribe time in nature for their patients. They write a script out, say, go for a walk through the park, O anxious one. Sit by a river. Climb a hill to see a view of the sea. Jared Manley Hopkins' poem again, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. The world is God's world, his creation, his creature, and so it is hospitable to us and to our lives. It contains more possibilities and more abundance that we might expect to find and unlock and develop. And so Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 say, Honour the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Two weeks ago we had the, the parable of the rich fool who was self-absorbed. He spoke to himself, O oh soul, you know, you have many good things laid up for many years. Eat, drink and be merry. He gave this gift to himself. He was self-absorbed in his own greed. Another way to become self-absorbed is through anxiety. Fretting over the question, will I be okay? It, it turns you in on yourself to do that. Have I done enough? Have I done it right? Will it work now that I've done it? Should I have done something different? These worried, fretful questions that gnaw away us, they do us no good. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? There may be things you can do to add an hour to your life, but worrying is not one of them. It's a question of trust and confidence. Do you believe God, your Father, knows what you need? Do you believe he stands ready to provide? Do you believe he's ready to give whatever success to your efforts is required? If so, make your plans, do your work, 
and trust God. But don't worry. Don't become anxious and gnawed up and fretful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Anxiety is unnecessary. So Jesus says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. So anxiety is firstly unnecessarily. Secondly, and more briefly, anxiety is a distraction. Do not worry is the negative command in this passage. What not to do. But there is a positive command. That is, seek his kingdom. And that's the positive command. Where should your attention, your energy go instead of going into self-absorbed fretting? Well, seek his kingdom. Our life is going to have many challenges and crises. And do not worry does not mean take no care. Skip along as if nothing, nothing need be done. No, we do need to sow and reap and store. We do need to labour and spin. And so the Proverbs also say lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. But in all this planning and this working that we do and must do, what are we seeking? Are we striving just for ourselves to be okay, to have enough? Or are we striving for God's kingdom? Are we seeking his order of love and holiness and to live according to the logic of his kingdom? Is that what we're aiming to do in our planning and striving and working? The next verse is say, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And I'm going to read on. I nearly put this in the passage, but I didn't quite manage it. What does Jesus say? He says, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven. That will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. So seeking God's kingdom is expressed in our attitude to our possessions and to the need of others. But those who believe that God is our Father. And we have, therefore, freedom and confidence to share with others. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Well, that's not a command to kind of impoverish yourself to own nothing but it is an invitation to seek God's kingdom by living in love towards others the rich man had many possessions that he did not require and that other people could very well do with it's that kind of sell your possessions what do you have that you don't need what do you have that you're storing up simply because you're worried Or are you free to share? Since you don't need to worry about being whether you'll be okay, you don't need to hoard up all you can. You can share and invest in others. And so those questions I asked the other week were, whose misfortune can I relieve? Whose potential can I develop? What kingdom work can I support? 
Now, Michelle might be thinking, I hope Ben is listening to this sermon because he needs this one, I know. Let's all examine our lives and our hearts this Lent and ask ourselves, what do we need to give up? And do we need to give up anxiety? Do we need to give up fretful worrying about whether we'll be okay? Do we need to give up faithless forgetfulness that God is our Father? He can and he has, he does and he will feed us and clothe us without our worrying being necessary to this. Do we need to give up anxiety, not just for Lent, but forever? Let's pray that we can and do. Father, we thank you that you have been pleased to give us, your little flock, your kingdom. And so help us to trust that promise and that word that you are indeed our Father. And just as you feed birds of the air, you will feed us. And just as you clothe the flowers of the field, you will clothe us. And so help us, therefore, to have the confidence to seek your kingdom. And to know that these things, the things we need will be given to us as well. And so it will make us ready to help others to use our possessions for the purposes of your kingdom and not for the purposes of shoring up the anxieties of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.